0: It's the Kim Monson Show, analyzing the most important stories.
1: I find that it takes work to get your brain around these ideas, and it takes work to engage in these conversations.
0: The latest in politics and world affairs.
1: With what is happening down at the State House, I used to think that it was above my pay grade to read the legislation, and it's not.
0: Today's current opinions and ideas.
1: I see big danger in as much as we will be giving an unelected bureaucrat the power to make rules about what we inject into our body.
0: Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation.
1: Indeed, let's have a conversation And welcome to the Kim Munson Show Thank you so much for joining us You're each treasured, you're valued You have purpose today, strive for excellence Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body My friends, we were made for this moment Thank you to the team that I work with That's producer Steve, producer Luke, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Echo All the people here at Crawford Broadcasting Happy Thursday, producer Steve
2: Yes, happy Thursday April, what, 13th Here we go
1: here we go! Almost, uh, almost a tax day. Yeah. Uh, almost to the middle of April, uh, and it uh, time is marching on. Check out the website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter, and you can email me at kim at kimmunson dot com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. You can email me at kim at kimmunson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice on an independent station searching for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through that lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. Producer Steve.
2: You know, you mentioned tax day and uh, it, it raises a question in my mind. Can I ask a question?
1: Absolutely
2: all right we all remember last summer we got a nice check from uncle jared you know just in time for the uh the election, election. yeah mm-hmm. but now that my taxes are done again i get a fairly generous uh return from the state i was like where is all this money coming from is is colorado really that flush
1: well we got a lot of money from uh, that was printed by the federal government okay so that's where probably a lot of that has come and uh uh, as the um, Colorado Union of Taxpayers, uh, we take a look at all the bills. The long bill was recently presented, and uh, the n- budget for the next fiscal year is an additional almost 10%. And I ask you, do we need to grow government in Colorado by an additional 10%? I think not, and uh, and the other thing is, is the argument about taking all this money from the feds is if we don't take a Colorado, somebody else will. Hmm. We, we're spinning ourselves into oblivion and uh, there will be a reckoning on this. And we can either choose to have a tough reckoning or there's going to be a hard reckoning. One way there will be a reckoning because this cannot continue the way it's going.
2: Here I am asking for permission to ask a tax-related question, and who am I talking to? The Queen of of Colorado Taxes.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> the new president of the Colorado Union of Ta- Taxpayers. Uh, the girls were over last night. Great conversation. And in fact, we're going to have Natalie Minton on in the second hour as our featured guest. She has really unpacked these and and as able to explain how Prop One, Two, Three, which we were adamantly opposed to this last election cycle, I'd say it kind of narrowly passed. It had a lot of money uh, um, in uh, support of it, hardly any money against it. We were one of the few voices. But the way that that now is being layered on with uh, legislation, and she's connecting the dots, it's really, really important, because what is under assault is... Uh, single-family home ownership here in Colorado. And I've laid that at the feet of the World Economic Forum. And Ramey Johnson had an event out in Lakewood on Thursday. Natalie presented, and then Randall O'Toole, who is on the show regularly, um, presented via Zoom. And he said, it's actually, it's the urban planners uh, who have gone to college. They've been influenced about how to plan these communities. And that that they are really the ones that are driving the, the ship. I guess you don't drive ships, do you? Driving the train on this. And uh, so it'll be very interesting to talk with her. Very pleased that we'll be talking with Cheryl Ackerson in this first hour regarding Trump, the uh, indictment, the arraignment, what she thinks about that. And I'm, I hope we get a timeline of just all the stuff that they've thrown at him to first of all undermine his presidency and secondly to try to prevent him from running for president again Steve
2: I would love to see that and I wish I had maybe a better memory for this stuff because I and I there's no doubt in my mind since 2016 and when he started cleaning up in the primaries and they realized oh my gosh look at this guy go they have been scheming and just you know planning themselves their cells silly trying to throw things at him to, to slow him down or to stop him. And, you know, some of these latest things that have uh, come up against him, man, they they look pretty tough. I just I hope somehow we can just get through this thing and and swat it down and say, no, there's no merit to this. And just let's move on.
1: Yes. Uh, well, it's unprecedented what has happened with the indictment arraignment of Donald Trump, whether or not you like him or not. Uh, as Americans, we have to say this is not okay. And uh, we have talked with Dr. Jack yesterday and he said, you know, we could be getting into a tit for tat. If that's the case, I feel we're really in a banana republic. We must have, we must be electing representatives. We must be uh, holding these bureaucrats feet to the fire that getting, we must reclaim the constitution of the United States of America. Otherwise the United States of America, uh, um, is no longer the United States of America if, uh, if this is, if this stands. So we are at a very dangerous time when we've had um, retired army general Joe Arbuckle on. He said, this is our 1775 moment. And I know that that sounds so serious, but it really, really is. But people don't realize it, Steve. And I think this is one of the things that concerns you, you're frustrated about. I was talking with some of the girls last night that we talk about some of this legislation and people look at you and say, they wouldn't do that. That's not possible. No way. Uh, And uh, go to the grocery store, buy food at the grocery store fueling your car yeah it's a little, a little bit more expensive but we're still able to do that not realizing that China is such a a threat to America this a radical activist transgender movement uh, and I was I saw a neighbor yesterday Steve and she and I were talking and I said gosh I don't think that people understand that all these different pieces of legislation again they're connected and if you're not watching it and connecting all the dots it, it you, it's it's difficult, but there's legislation that's already been passed that um, is a law that says that 12 year olds or older can um, give permission to receive psychotropic drugs without their parents' knowledge or their parents' permission. That's Crazyville, and there may be there may be a connection between these psychotropic drugs and and. Um, these uh, these shootings. I, I mean, there may be a connection through that. And then I said, and 12 year olds can now, uh, if you, even if a parent opts their child out of these mental health screenings, and I have that in air quotes, they, that 12 year old can opt themselves back in without the parents' knowledge. Then they can be in six different counseling sessions, without the parent's knowledge, and this is danger, danger. And so let's say that your child does that after six of these counseling sessions. Uh, They determine that they are um, transgender, and they come home and they say that, and if the parent says, wait a minute, no, they don't affirm it, these laws put in place that social services could come in and take your child. I mean, that's really what can happen, and you tell that to people, and they're like, "That's Crazyville." It's like, yes, it is, but it's Colorado right now, Steve.
2: And then they're going to force poor Dad to drink Bud Light. I don't know.
1: Hmm. <laughs> you wanted to segue over to that,
2: didn't you? Well, I. You know. Good uh, job. Somehow we were going to get there, I guess. You know, we've we been to, watching. We don't want to Analyzer give this a whole West. lot of uh, airtime, but it is this continuing saga, and. The hard numbers are starting to appear now because all I've been looking at is just the uh, stock price per share, which, by the way, has fallen $3.35 since March 31st. Now, what does that equate to? The overall uh, company stock now has fallen $4.56 billion, that's billion with a B, or 4.7%. So something is going on here. The consumer, I think, is pushing back. What say you well,
1: yeah, so what that's probably the equivalent of four uh, to five percent of their stock price. You said this is since this has all come out regarding the the new marketing person. I actually saw I watched a video last night of this, and maybe it's not new marketing person, but the person probably behind this decision. What's interesting is the narrative out there is that top level management was not aware of this maybe maybe not i don't know for sure but uh, f- uh, the fact that not understanding your brand and just think of the millions of dollars that were spent for remember the beautiful ads around christmas time with the clydesdales going through the snow and what there was one with the uh, the dalmatian and a little colt and i mean beautiful stuff and to have some mid-level management person make this decision uh, is... Uh, this is going to be tough for them to to get this thing turned around. I mean, this is going to be really, really tough. And the point I want to make is because the, the, the radical activist transgender... Okay, let's think about this. We're talking now, you, me, the big, broad middle. And uh, people and, and no kids that are transitioning and... So this idea that there's no compassion, they're going to say there's no compassion to these kids, to these these people that are gender fluid and that are transitioning. And we must we must take it a step further and saying what we care about and what we're concerned about is this agenda. As Trent Luce said yesterday, this is grooming these kids for this transgender agenda over here. They're, it's grooming our children for that. And that can move into gender mutilation either through pharmaceuticals or through surgery or both. And, I mean, did you ever think that anybody would say that that's okay? It's not okay. And that we're concerned about this agenda that is is pushing, introducing and pushing our children towards this. And so this isn't just about Bud Light sending a... A can of beer with somebody's picture on it it's it's this affirming of this agenda that is hurting our children ultimately Steve and that's what I think we we need to get our brains around that particular message and uh, it's it's a tough one but that's where we I think that's where we need to be
2: you recalled all those great old commercials for Budweiser's and the Clydesdale's and all that and all I can say is (laughs) it's not your father's Budweiser anymore
3: I can't believe I just scratched that
2: car. Find my insurance card.
4: Dude, what do you have in this glove box? Ew, are these socks dirty? Uh,
3: forget about the socks. I need my insurance card. Just
4: pull it up on the State Farm mobile app.
3: But I can do that? Oh,
4: hey, I
5: can do
3: that.
4: Yep, it's called service. I can file a claim on here, too? Yeah, it's, it's called service.
5: Whoa, I can call my
4: agent, too? It's called service.
3: It's Colorado. We want warm homes in the winter and cool, comfortable homes in the summer. Johnny Stubb Services is the heating and air conditioning company to call to ensure that your heating and cooling systems run efficiently and last for years. Johnny Stubbs Services' team of experts provide proper guidance to help you make informed decisions about your heating and cooling needs. Johnny Stubb Services is prompt, reliable, and stands behind their work with a satisfaction guarantee. Kim Munson highly recommends Johnny Stubb Services for all your heating and cooling needs.
5: Stay up to date on issues in public health and science by signing up and reading Dr. James Lyons-Weiler's latest articles at Popular Rationalism on Substack. Find more information about Popular Rationalism
1: at KimMunson.com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. We have... be sure and check out the website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter, and you can email me at Kim at com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. Um, we had something a little funky happen with uh, the connection there. So I want to get over here to our Zig Ziglar quote for the day. Uh, He was an American author, salesman, and a motivational speaker, born in 1926, died in 2012. And he said this, when obstacles arise, you change your direction to reach your goal. You do not change your decision to get there. And I know as people that are concerned about America, that uh, it seems that uh, there's so many uh, obstacles that are out there, but remember what, what we're about. And that is, is that we are, um, want to make sure that we are passing on Liberty to the next generation, uh, preserving, conserving this great American idea. And uh, so as these obstacles arise, we must keep our, our, our eyes on the true North here and then just continue to work towards that. So that's super important. And then I did want to mention the bill of the day and, um, Let's see. Here we go. It is, it, and I, you know, I'm always so now suspect on all of this. It looks like this is a, a good clarification maybe on uh, land that, that rural land that's included in these um, urban renewal plans. Although as I talk with Randall O'Toole, I'm very concerned about these growth boundaries that these urban, different urban Um, municipalities are putting in place. This seems like this is a good clarification. And Sherry Pife with uh, Complete Colorado has actually written a really important piece. And she explains what's called this tax increment financing. And it looks like this is she titles this bipartisan bill aims to further restrict inclusion of agricultural land in urban, urban renewal areas. But it has these stipulations. So it looks like it's, I think it's a good clarification, but I'm a little concerned because those that are trying to prevent people from living in single family homes, undercutting our single family neighborhoods, uh, are playing long ball on that. So this is, uh, and I'll give you the bill number on it. It is, uh, let's see, it's house bill, excuse me, Senate bill 23, 273. And so it looks like it's a good clarification, although I'm a little concerned about that. So the jury's still out uh, from us on that. I'm really excited to have on the line with me Representative Ty Winter. Uh, and he is... Uh, um, this is his first um, legislative session, and it's a wild one. Ty Winter, welcome to the show.
6: Good morning, Kim. How are you doing this morning?
1: I am doing well. And, uh, Ty, there is... Uh, what, about four weeks left on this uh, leg- uh, legislative session, correct?
6: Yes, ma'am. We're, we're winding it down. I think today might be 25 days.
1: Okay. First and foremost, what is your, your big 30,000-foot view of this particular session?
6: You know, Kim, it's basically the doublespeak that we hear in the chamber. You know, we've seen an, a, a huge attack on, on private property rights, um, a huge attack on parental rights, you know, uh, the Democrats, every time they want to uh, pass a piece of legislation, they, they go out and they use Republican talking points. They talk about local control next minute, I mean, one minute, and then the next minute they're doing everything they can to take local control away. You know, the attack on gun rights, we see that another bill was introduced to try to eliminate what they call ghost guns. Uh, Kim, it's just basically, it, it seems like an all-out assault, uh, all-out assault on, you know, a lot of things that, our party, um, conservatives, you know, constitutionalists hold near and dear.
1: Well, it is. And uh, as the president of uh, the Colorado Union of Taxpayers, uh, we're looking at all these different bills. And then, of course, we, we rate the bills that we think... Our, um, we look at the, um, it's called the cut pledge, and then we look at bills that we think um, need to be rated regarding that particular pledge. And we've rated, I think, let me just check here. Uh, we've rated 190 bills as i'm looking at it right now with bill track 50 as of right now 630 bills have been introduced and we have just about four weeks left but this thing and, and i actually mentioned this in the first segment ty uh representative winter uh, is that i don't think that people understand that that There's been this strategy with legislation that has already been passed. And then within this particular session, that ultimately, at least this is the danger I see, uh, Representative Winter, is that if your 12-year-old has been um, in different classes and and starts to question whether or not they're transgender or not, this radical activist transgender agenda will jump on that. They can put them through counseling sessions, ultimately. And if if the child comes home and, and the parents don't affirm this, 12 years old again, social services could come in and take the child. I don't think people understand this direct assault upon parental rights.
6: Well, you're right. And one of the huge arguments when we were talking about um, you know all the reproductive care bills was is, You know, one day we were arguing that, so you know the whole thing about the progesterone, that's been a big topic of conversation, and they were doing a deceptive practices bill where they were saying that there's the the progesterone isn't FDA-approved to reverse an abortion, we shouldn't be using non-FDA-approved drugs and putting women at risk, and we're not basically lab-wrapped to do this stuff. But then the next day... When they were talking about their, um, you know, their equal access to rights, they were arguing the gender-affirming care in there, and it was pointed out very clearly that a lot of the drugs that are used for this process, puberty blockers and such, they're not FDA-approved. So one day we were arguing that we can't use an FDA-approved drug to try to, you know, if a woman wants to do everything she can to try to reverse the start of the chemical abortion. But then the next day it was okay to use these drugs for another reason. And that's what makes it so hard in there is because one day they'll stand on solid ground and argue something and then literally come in the next day and totally re rebuke their argument from a different point of view. And when you're trying to have civil debate, that is nonsense, it's hard to do that when the play the playing field shifts and the goalposts move on a day to day basis.
1: Well, and what you're talking about, Representative Winter, is this legislation, when they call it reproductive care, when all the, re- uh, the they're not about reproduction whatsoever, they're trying to prevent reproduction, and that is is um, to reverse the abortion uh, pill, uh, it, 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 you can do that sometimes by, uh, I think, just pumping the body, as you said, I think, is it progesterone, is that the correct? Yes,
6: yes.
1: Uh, okay. Okay. But the other thing, as as uh, because I I had um, I think Representative Luck on about this, is they're outlawing that, but it's also been used for a mom that might be having a miscarriage, and to try to to prevent the miscarriage. So I'm wondering if this law if this is, becomes a law, is that they could not even use this to prevent a miscarriage? I I mean I don't know if you've thought about that, Representative Winter.
6: Whoa. Well, and this is another argument we had was they argue to be pro-choice, but that's not true. In this bill, they argued for pro-abortion because if we're talking about a woman's choice, their definition of choice should be the gates wide open and Representative Luck is correct because now they've taken that choice away. And one thing they said numerous times was women are flying here, women are traveling here. From states that have had their reproductive health options taken away from them, but then we made the point that now women are going to have to drive out of state that if they want to try this progesterone treatment, now they have to travel out of state. So they talked about pro-choice, but it isn't really about pro-choice. Those bills were about pro-abortion. And when you talk about the 12-year-old issue, you know, I have two daughters, 15 and 8. And that was my argument from the well. You know, I explained to them, as a father, If my daughter decided that that was the route she was going to take, first of all, as a parent, I would want to know not to stop my daughter. I would hope that the ethics and values that I raised my daughter with, um, our religious base would guide her through life. But every person's different. But if my daughter wanted to make that decision, I should be able to know that way me and my wife could be there for my daughter, first of all, to try to get her to talk to people, to rethink it. And if she decided to go through with it, why shouldn't we be there in case there's a medical emergency? Why shouldn't we be there to comfort our daughter after this all happens? And that's what made it so hard for me is that they want to be able to strip that away from me as a parent you know like i told them from the well when my kids were born i looked i looked them over i i wanted to make sure that they were healthy you know that that, that they were that they were you know such beautiful babies and i I've, I've done the best i can to nurture and be a good father up to this point and i feel like me being there for my daughters has been the most beneficial thing for them and now they're trying to take that away from me to try to help them guide through other pitfalls and and steps in life
1: representative winter i think that if as we try to explain this to people, they look at us as we're explaining this, they're like, that is not possible. People that we have elected would not be trying to do that to us, but it is happening. um how How should we message to people about what is really occurring down at the Colorado State House right now?
6: In my opinion, Kim, it's got to be a strong ground game. We all know that you know they own the media. They own the mainstream media. The media pumps out their message. And, I mean, I know that you you guys are doing all you can, and I appreciate your service to this country and how you try to get the word out. But this has to be a true grassroots effort. It has to be having that uncomfortable conversation with the person that you're standing in line with at the checkout line, at the post office, talking to your friends and family and getting them motivated and involved to talk to their friends. And it's got to be that true, you tell your neighbor, they tell 10 neighbors type of mentality that's the only ground game i truly believe that we have not only in colorado in the united states of america and we need to start talking to our church family and friends we need a revival in this country and you know the founding fathers no matter what they say this country was founded on judeo-christian values and they knew how important it was that we had god on our side when we decided to become a nation and i think we need to turn back to god we need to turn back to grassroots politics And we just need to have a ground game and just turn this into a machine of information on the ground.
1: Well, and Representative Winter, that is why we do this show, is to help people educate themselves regarding these issues so that they can engage in conversations, because this is a a raging battle of ideas that's going on right now. And this transgender thing, I mean, quite frankly, Representative Winter, if you would have told me five years ago that we would have a a battle about whether or not boys could go into girls' locker rooms, boys complete, compete in girls' sports, I would have said, that's crazy, Bill. But we're here right now. And, um, so we have to get our, 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 um, words right so transgender um we're talking about boys being in girls it's not transgender in girls locker rooms it's boys in girls locker rooms and it's not transgender competing in girls sports it's boys com- competing in girls sports i mean i think we have to get it to just as simple as that representative winter
6: no you're you're correct um you're correct you know kim we live in, you know, the greatest country on the face of the earth that provides life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness to it all. And you know, everybody walks a different path in life. And I, 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 I'm a Christian. I'm not a judgmental man. I will say that whatever makes people makes people happy. But when it infringes on the rights of others and the ability for others to be able to compete, that just it, it it truly is it truly is a tough thing because. You know, you see Riley Gaines and these other individuals standing up for Title IX and, you know, the feminist movement and all the ground that women have, have gained. And that's one thing I have in discussion with some of my colleagues is, you know, if there's seven spots on a woman's sport team and there's seven scholarships and a scholarship is taken away Um, you know, that that basically puts that woman out to where she would have been next in line. So I think it's to me, I think it's more of a woman's rights issue than anything. And I think that's what we need to be messaging it is the fight for women's rights, the plight that there was and how this isn't about transgenders in sports. This is about women's rights. And I think that if we switch the conversation back to that, I think it's more of like you said, a common sense thing. It's 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 fighting for women's rights the fight that they have fought for so many years to, to try to get to that equal playing field.
1: Excellent point. And Representative Winter, what would you suggest to people right now? And it seems overwhelming, 630 bills. How can people, what what would you say to that person? It's like, I need to do something. What should they
6: do? Well, you know, we're still hearing bills and committees. Of course, we had a lot of bills come out of appropriation. So bills are starting to hit committees fast and furious. They can testify via Zoom. They can come to the Capitol and sign up and testify. You know, and, and and this is the thing I will say more than anything. Pray for your legislators. Give them words of encouragement because I will tell you, you know, we've, we've, we've gotten the nickname of the Mighty 19 down there at the Capitol because the Republicans at the Capitol have dug in their heels and we're debating and fighting for what's right. So pray for your legislators. Shoot them an email of encouragement, you know, um, None of us want to be thanked for this job because we signed up out of the goodness of our hearts to try to save this state. But the prayers will help. And any type of backup you can give us when it comes to testimony, I would urge to do that. Because when we have those voices in there, they have no choice but to listen.
1: Representative Winter, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate what you are doing. and. Um, Uh, I just thank you. And again, pray for our legislators and pray for Colorado and pray for America. Thank you, Representative Winter.
6: Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: And I am so pleased. uh, A new sponsor of the show is um, a doctor, a chiropractor that has been able to help me, and that is Dr. Craig Stimson.
7: Pain can be exhausting and frustrating, and Kim was recently experiencing hip pain from life's wear and tear. Dr. Craig Stimson with Advantage Wellness Center was able to help. For over 35 years, Dr. Craig Stimson has been helping individuals and their entire families with non-surgical and drugless treatments to address sports injuries, back and neck pain, headaches, joint pain, and auto accident injuries. Call Dr. Craig at 303-691-1771 today for your appointment. Dr. Craig Stimson, he can help you too. That number is 303-691-1771. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine
0: has nearly 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. Because of Karen's love of dogs, Karen volunteers regularly with GRRR, Golden Retriever Rescue of the Rockies, helping golden retrievers find their forever homes. Call Karen Levine to help you buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with Remax Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516.
1: And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, dot com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. And you can email me at Kim at com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice, and we search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do it. And did want to mention the Center for American Values. And, uh, this is down in Pueblo and, uh, Pueblo is actually the home of four medal of honor recipients and the center for American values. It was, um, formed in 2010 for charitable and educational purposes. And it's, uh, focused on these core values of America of honor, integrity, and patriotism. And the center's founders drew Dix, who is a medal of honor recipient, uh, for actions that he took during the Tet Offensive in the Vietnam War, and Brad Padula, they identified this need for a national initiative to recognize and preserve the values of our great country that and what it was founded on. And so I would highly recommend that you go to AmericanValueCenter.org for more information, and I would recommend a road trip to Pueblo uh, to see their uh, Portraits of Valor, which is a, an extraordinary collection of 160 uh, Medal of Honor recipients and with quotes from each of them and just standing in front of these portraits and looking into the eyes of these Medal of Honor recipients, it, it'll change your life. And so again, you can go to AmericanValueCenter.org. I am so pleased to have on the line with me Cheryl Ackeson. You know her. She is a, such a respected uh, national journalist. Uh, she is the host of Full Measure on Sinclair TV and wanted t- to talk with her about Donald Trump. So Cheryl Ackeson, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you for having me. You have, uh, it's great to have you. And you've watched this kind of continued assault on Donald Trump's pres- presidency and now to prevent him from running for president again. But I'd love to have a timeline. I can't quite remember all of the things that they threw at him. And none of that really st- uh, has stuck. But there are those that are saying this last thing might. What's your thoughts on this, Cheryl Atkinson?
8: Well, I would say, really, if there were any neutral authority that were watchdogging the things that go wrong and if the media were, by and large, non-conflicted, all the people responsible for these attacks, the baseless attacks and the unproven claims against Donald Trump that began in the 2015 time period would be gone. Some of them would be in prison. But really, none of them are, save uh, one very lame prosecution of an FBI official that was involved in the improper spying on a Carter, Carter Page, Donald Trump associate, who didn't even get any jail time for really one of the biggest transgressions I can think of in modern times of an FBI agent for political purposes. But nothing happens to these people, and the media's not holding them accountable. Congress, by and large, isn't holding them accountable either, so they live on to fight another day. But I think all of this began, you know, I've traced some of this in some of my previous writings, with trying to label Donald Trump many different things as he ran for office in 2015. You may recall, first he was a clown, then he was dark and dangerous when the clown idea didn't work. But then came the Russia, Russia, Russia accusation. We now know that was devised by the Democrat National Committee, along with Hillary Clinton, with the help of Ukrainian operatives that worked very hard to try to discredit Donald Trump as a candidate, We know that this continued with improper spying of Trump and some of his associates. How were they able to spy on Donald Trump without a wiretap against him? We know that they got wiretaps (laughs) improperly against Carter Page, but also against others surrounding Trump, which would have allowed them to listen in on the people who those people spoke to, which would have included Donald Trump. We know that they surveilled him as part of national security monitoring once he was elected but they improperly surveilled him to use information against him but under the name of national security we know that there are all kinds of breaches by our surveillance authorities the nsa and others they were documented in court during the election year in 2016 so the list goes on and on it it's been pretty constant ken as you know but the fact that i think the biggest of all the russia accusations And that was really a coordinated attack involving our former intelligence officials who went on the media every day to further the baseless and unproven attacks that turned out to be untrue. All of this taken together, I think it's probably the biggest campaign we know of anyway, by our government bureaucrats and intelligence agencies against a political figure. Now, um, As of today, I really don't know what happens with the lawsuits that they're trying to bring against Trump now or the prosecutions. And it's just hard to say where that goes, because in a real world, we would know, we may be able to predict, but I just, in a real unmanaged world, I mean. But I just, I think it's really hard to say. What do you think?
1: I think it's very difficult to say as well. And I wanted to just ask you a question. I remember watching the a debate between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, where she threw out this comment about Russia and kind of implying some connection. And I thought, this is very odd. But I think that they, I think that was kind of the first shot across the bow on the, this Russia thing. Do you happen to remember that, Cheryl? Because I just kind of thought, hmm, that is very odd when I heard her bring that up. Uh, do you recall that at well,
8: all? It sounds familiar, but I don't remember the moment. But like you, I do think there was a point in time at which you could almost trace they decided, huh, maybe this will work. Because it, it did feel like it came out of the blue after they tried several other strategies. But now, now we do know from some documents and what was happening behind the scenes that there was a specific in point in time in which it was devised. And not to go too off into the arcane, but... It's been documented, I think Politico reported it first and I was on to sort of a similar story and used some of their research to to verify and further what I had found. This battle between Ukraine is good or bad or Russia is good or bad, it's sort of a proxy for Republicans and Democrats in the establishment who on the one hand some are representing Ukraine's interests and some are representing Russia interests. And this has been the case in Washington for a long time. Anytime you see foreign nations rise to the top and have all of this attention, you know in our in our Congress that doesn't seem to make sense over other nations, you can bet that there are lobbyists pulling strings. These foreign nations hire what they call foreign agents to work for them, to go to the media and make their cases known, and to get laws passed and resolutions passed in Congress. And by and large, many Republicans were representing the Russia interests, and many Democrats were representing the Ukraine interests, and, and therefore, this whole fight between those two countries could kind of be seen in part as a proxy war, as Politico put it, between, you know, the Ukrainian and the Russian interests. And I think that's still by and large true today.
1: Boy, Cheryl Atkinson, as you are saying that, I'm like, what's missing? And that what's missing is representatives, elected representatives that are representing American interests in Washington, uh, and the American people, I, I, I think we're at a very dangerous time because of that, Cheryl Atkinson.
8: Well, I hate to sound so cynical, but I've come to conclude that the federal agencies and Congress—not every member, but in general, the congressional parties, the leaders, Democrats and Republicans—they don't work for us. You can't—you and I can't walk in the Capitol today without certain permissions. But I'll tell you, lobbyists are still very freely roaming the Capitol without escorts. They're able to access and get into congressional offices, these lobbies for special interests, political and corporate interests, and government agencies. They're the ones writing the bills. I did a story on this, this evening, an Emmy nomination, actually an Emmy award, because we talked to lobbyists who said, we write the bills. The members of Congress and their staff don't do that anymore. We're the experts. So these bills and these laws aren't being written on our behalf because we need them or want them. Our interests are by and large ignored because we don't have the ears of our representatives. It's the people paying the money representing the interests that are making money depending on how laws are passed and what laws are passed.
1: Well, oh my gosh. Cheryl, you probably have not been watching what's happening in Colorado, but Colorado is at the tip of the spear of this. And I, I was approached and I said yes to a, a volunteer position. It's all volunteers. It's called the Colorado Union of Taxpayers. And we're basically looking at all the legislation that's um, uh, being proposed. At this particular point in time, there's 630 pieces of legislation. There's abortion legislation. There's uh, Second Amendment legislation. We, there's a whole land use thing that basically will... Um, Will uh, will is it's a direct assault upon our single family home neighborhoods and single family zoning, and so all of this this stuff is is going on and and, uh, and I think I mentioned the abortion bills, and it's like I I look at the as I'm going through this I look at the pictures of the legislators that are carrying these bills I'm like there's no way they wrote this stuff some of it's 105 pages long there's no way that they wrote this this is no longer this representative government. And I'm like, who's writing this stuff? And I think you just answered that question. It's special interests that are getting these things put into law.
8: Well, so these are nonprofits and foundations, and all of them are working with corporations and people that want to get certain agendas through that benefit them. But here's something that will really bake your noodle. You may notice that similar laws are getting passed, It's you know, one right after the other in various states. Those are being coordinated. And then I noticed, traveling in Europe over the summer, I started thinking, why is Europe passing laws with the same name as Congress is passing laws, like on uh, climate change and things like that, and resolutions at the same time we are? So it's being even coordinated at a higher level than national. I think it's being coordinated internationally. And I'll give you one example. At about the same time, when I was um, in the U.K., I think it was, maybe six, eight months ago, they passed a resolution condemning Russia President Putin's girlfriend. Fine, but weirdly, we had just done the same. And I started thinking, out of the blue, why would both countries, after all this time, suddenly decide to condemn Putin's girlfriend? And it, it showed me that there was a level of coordination that I'd already expected to have been curious about. Again, it goes beyond just the domestic, but into
1: the international realm we need we need statesmen we need some people statesmen and stateswomen to stand against this um and i'll ask you this question when we come back the show comes to you because of great sponsors roots medical is another one of the great sponsors of the kim munson show
9: Hey folks, Matthew Dark here with exciting news about COVID justice and how you can be involved in this critical moment in history. Colorado Healthcare Providers for Freedom in conjunction with COVIDPenalty.com is leading the way in protecting everyone's legal right to refuse an investigational new drug. There is no law that can force you to participate in medical research and we need your help in bringing these lawsuits to fruition. To donate and view impending lawsuits, visit ColoradoMedicalFreedom.com. That's ColoradoMedicalFreedom.com.
4: Don't wait. Kim Munson recommends you call Lauren Levy today at 303-880-8881 for a no-cost consultation. That's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. It's more critical
5: than ever to get the firearms training you must have to be confident in protecting yourself and your family. Learning from the expertly trained instructors at Franktown Firearms and Shooting Range, you will learn the skills necessary to be ready for anything you have to deal with. If you learned how to shoot by way of granddad taught dad taught me, you may be missing critical elements of safety and proficiency training that can only be learned in the right environment with a knowledgeable and industry-leading instructor who can analyze and diagnose shooting mistakes, helping you prepare properly. At Franktown Firearms, they believe understanding how guns work Learning the fundamentals the right way and being confident in using a gun can mean the difference between life and death. When people leave Franktown classes, they feel empowered. They look forward to practicing and getting more training. Go to franktownfirearms.com and sign up for one of our training classes today. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made.
1: And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. You can email me at Kim at com as well. And uh, did want to mention the USMC Memorial Foundation and this great event that they have uh, coming up. It is on April 29th at the Brown Palace Hotel. It's an evening with the ambassador. The keynote speaker is Ambassador Harry B. Harris. Um, admiral united states navy and uh, i will be emceeing the event very excited about that and of course this is to raise money for the uh, remodel of the marine memorial out at six and colfax so go to usmcmemorialfoundation.org for more information would love to have you join us cheryl ackeson is on the line with me she is the host of full measure on sinclair tv and an award-winning journalist um and and I say journalist because that is what she is with great respect, uh, because journalism. There's few journalists out there, but Cheryl Ackerson, what are you seeing? Are there, is there anybody in Washington, any uh, congressmen or women, who are representing the American people who are really statesmen?
8: I think there are, and um, both in the Democrat and Republican parties, they get elected with a thought of changing the way things are, changing some of the things we've talked about, how you know, Congress is not representative of the people they're supposed to represent. However, they quickly come to understand that, unfortunately, Congress in Washington is run by an extra-constitutional system that's been developed by the political parties. What do I mean by that? Well, as soon as they come to D.C., they go to an orientation, so members of both parties, and they're told how much money they have to raise as a quota, to be able to have any power, to be able to sit on any good committees, to be able to have any bills considered for laws, they have to raise a certain amount of money. And the money is such that, you know, it's a pretty high quota after they've already you know, tens of thousands of dollars, after they've already had to run for office and squeeze everybody they know dry to get the money. And so they end up what they call dialing for dollars in these rooms across from the Capitol because they're not allowed to do it technically on the Capitol grounds. And they're given lists by their party leaders of who to call for money. These include pharmaceutical companies, defense industry firms, the very people they're going to regulate on the committees on the committees on which they sit. So you can see where that leads. They need to have money from the people they're supposed to oversee. They have to call them and ask them for these favors and fundraisers. And if they don't do it, the, the leaders of their party not only won't let them sit on an important committee to get anything done, but they'll primary someone against them the next time they run, meaning they'll find another candidate to sit in their place. So all of them find that to exist in the state in Congress, there has to be a certain level of going along with the system, whatever that means. That may mean voting a certain way on something they don't really want to vote a certain way on, and, again, taking money from the very people that they're supposed to be overseeing.
1: Well, this is a problem uh, that... Maybe the go along, get along or whatever this is that has gotten us to a point where I feel that America is in great danger. And so Donald Trump was he was uh, an outlier. He came in, I think, the first two years, Republicans uh, Republican leadership did not take him seriously. And that was an opportunity where they could have really gotten some things done for the American people but they didn't take him seriously. But once they started to take him seriously, they wanted to get rid of him. Uh, it, it, would you say that's correct, Cheryl?
8: I would, although I would say it even started with most of the Republican establishment not accepting him, not because Kim, I think not because they didn't take him seriously, although that's in part very true, but because of what you said, him being an outlier, he was not part of this money system. I described both, the Democrat and Republican candidates besides Trump, would have been in the system enough that those who have worked very hard with certain party people, Jim Messina for the Democrats, for example, Carl rose for the Republicans. These are the people who can pull strings and get things done and get people seen and get bills passed and, and give the special interests access to the President and to important you know political powers. Trump was not in that string. And all of a sudden, all the power brokers in politics were basically powerless overnight in terms of what they had promised, the system they had developed, because Trump was not operating on that system. He didn't get there. He wasn't beholden to the same people. And that's what made him so uniquely dangerous to both Democrats and the Republican establishment.
1: So what do you think about Trump, DeSantis, regarding this 2024
8: election well you know kim i'm not a political analyst i'm just sort of an outsider that sometimes gets things right like i was maybe one of the few national journalists who predicted over and over again in 2016 that trump is going to be president when nobody else seemed to think so and very few people seem to think so only because i'm just sort of an outsider looking at things logically i think trump despite what you hear still has Um, A great deal of support. Recall that whatever you think happened in the 2020 election, he received more votes than any sitting president in history, and he far bested out the number of votes he'd gotten in 2016. I think he remains a very uh, powerful and popular figure, not only with uh, many Republicans, but also with Democrats, those who are disgusted with what's happening in their party, and also with many independents. And I think he stands a good shot at winning again in a fair election, if we're to have one.
1: Okay, that and that's the big question then. Fair election. And out here in Colorado, we have what I call legalized manipulation. And that is we have mail-in ballots. We were one of the first states to have mail-in ballots. And we have mail-in ballots that are flying all over the state. In fact, I had, um, wanted to check something on, uh, the Denver elections just recently. There was a, a mayor election, a mayoral election. And I got this, um, record votes or vote records or whatever. And, and it was a little scary, Cheryl, because it looked to me like it had all the, the, uh, information for every registered voter in Denver and who their neighbors are. And, but the first person that I pulled up, was registered as an active voter, but she was born in 1907. And I'm like, hmm, I think we have dirty voter rolls out here as well. So we then send out ballots to these people. We have legalized ballot harvesting of up to 10 ballots, but who's to say it's just 10. And so I'm very concerned about fair uh, fair elections out here, uh, Cheryl Atkinson. Well, in a
8: couple of weeks, I will be... Putting a story on Full Measure, which will also be at FullMeasure.news afterwards, about some of the voter mistakes, problems, and processes, and actual fraud that has been recovered surrounding the 2020 election, despite what you may have heard. I believe Colorado just recently was forced to agree to clean up their voter rolls to some degree uh, from a judicial watch lawsuit, which has impacted. Gotten it. So far, at least two million ineligible voters off the rolls that were on the rolls in 2020, in places like New York City and Los Angeles, California. And yes, both Democrats and Republicans alike, unfortunately, show very little resolve to try to clean up this problem. And you'll see in the story how some Republicans in one state that caught longstanding fraud that knew it was going on in their local community had trouble getting the Republican Party to care. In, in their city, and they'll explain why. But nobody is going after it. even when they're caught, such as the pair that was caught submitting something like 8,000 fraudulent voter registration applications. Clearly, that's, that implies they're part of some sort of ring that's paying them. They receive minimal charges. People, when they're caught, are charged with one or two counts of something. They serve, if any kind, sometimes a month in jail, no more than a year, it seems like. So we're not taking it seriously because I I tend to think, again, the establishment of both parties somehow thinks they benefit by not going after the fraud and the process errors that are happening or the systemic problems.
1: Wow. You're describing things that I've seen as well. Cheryl Atkinson, uh, we have a minute left. How would you like to button this up? Give us some hope regarding America.
8: Well, I think that things have gotten so audaciously out of control, so obvious in terms of our information manipulation and the things that we've talked about today, that more people are becoming wise to it. And I like to say the truth finds a way to be told, and it will. I don't know exactly what what the next thing is in terms of fair journalism and information that can get to people that's not so controlled, but people are working on the problem. I think something will come of it in the meantime. You have to keep your eyes and ears open, be skeptical, find some sources that you think you can trust based on past record and history and turn to those and speak the truth to your friends. Don't fall for what you're seeing on the news and on, on social media and online when you know it's not the case, even if they want you to feel like everybody thinks a certain way or everybody accepts something as the truth when it's not. Speak out to it because that's the way to fight the manipulation.
1: Absolutely, and uh, Cheryl Atkinson, she is the host of Full Measure on Sinclair TV. Yeah, uh, you know, Sinclair TV, and we'll be um, waiting for that particular report that you're putting together that you said we'll publish here in a couple of weeks. I so appreciate your time, Cheryl Atkinson, and uh, keep up the amazing work that you're doing. Thanks so much for having me, Kim. Take care. Absolutely, and our quote for the end of the show is from Zig Ziglar. He says, "Fear, F E A R, has two meanings." Forget everything and run, or face everything and rise. The choice is yours. So, my friends, today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America. Stay tuned for hour number two.
0: It's The Kim Monson Show, analyzing the most important stories.
1: I find that it takes work to get your brain around these ideas, and it takes work to engage in these conversations.
0: The latest in politics and world affairs.
1: With what is happening down at the state house, I used to think that it was above my pay grade to read the legislation, and it's not.
0: Today's current opinions and ideas.
1: I see big danger in as much as we will be giving an unelected bureaucratic... The power to make rules about what we inject into our body.
0: Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation.
1: Indeed, let's have a conversation. And welcome to hour number two of the Kim Munson show. Thank you so much for joining us. You're each treasured. You're valued. You have purpose today. Strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. My friends, we were made for this moment. Thank you to the team I work with. That's producer Steve, producer Luke, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Echo, All the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. Happy Thursday, producer Steve.
2: Thursday, yes. Uh, April, what, 13th.
1: It is April 13th. And it's the day after. uh, The girls were over last night. And I actually ran out of time. And I was not able to partake in those great um, Hooters wings that I normally like to do. Because they have, uh, Wednesday is wings day. You buy 20 wings, you get an additional 10 for free. And that's for to go or to dine in. And uh, yesterday just got pretty jam-packed. And so... The girls were very disappointed that I had not done that, Producer Steve, so i got to make sure that that doesn't happen again. But uh, there are five locations for Hooters uh, restaurants. There's um, Loveland, Aurora, Lone Tree, Westminster, Colorado Springs, and they do have that great special on Wednesdays for dine-in or to-go. You buy 20 wings, you get an additional 10 for free. How I got to know them is a really important story about freedom and free markets and capitalism. And you can find that at my website. Uh, Several things. First of all, I did want to get to the quote for the day. And that is from Zig Ziglar. And he said this. He said, when obstacles arise, you change your direction to reach your goal. You do not change your decision to get there. And as we look at this decision to Preserve America. We see all kinds of obstacles, but we must keep our eye on that North Star there. That is what we are doing, Producer Steve.
2: My first thought was uh, football with this one and thinking, all right, what running back, you know, he doesn't change his decision to get there. He might have to wait (laughs) another play or something like that. But also in this woke age, though, he might decide to stop and take a knee. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, hopefully that's not the case. So um, I wanted to just, you said you did something interesting last night. And so while we were, girls were meeting and we're going to talk with Karen Levine here in just a minute. I saw her last night and you know her, she's an award-winning realtor with uh, Rebax Alliance. But you did something interesting, Steve.
2: Well, as I mentioned Monday morning, I said uh, Monday the 10th, is 111 years since the titanic left for the united states and so this is titanic week last night at the what is it the parker arts cultural and events center there was a talk uh it was put on by a docent from the margaret brown house not the molly brown house we found out by the way her name was margaret brown the the term or the name molly was appended to her uh when the musical came out because they couldn't make anything rhyme with margaret (laughs)
1: Okay okay, <laughs> so and I okay, so Molly Brown, and I remember the musical, so what uh you know any did you learn anything new last night?
2: Well, I've been a titanic nut since third grade, so that that's way back when, so we won't talk about that, but um so I, I well, didn't hear well, anything. actually
1: did did that occur? you remember hearing about it when you were in third grade is that
2: uh, okay we well, <laughs> we'll let that go by the wayside um. I so I didn't really hear anything new, although there were some great pictures that I hadn't seen before. But the guy he was really good, you know, he's the docent from the Margaret Brown house, you know, down near the Capitol. So he knew his stuff and he brought some great stuff with him. But this very last he's he's putting up uh slides on a very large screen and this particular slide was a split screen. It had the ship on one side and a picture of Margaret Brown on the other, and the caption just read, Who really was unsinkable?
1: Ah, that's cute. That's very cute. So interesting. Yeah, I didn't realize that you had such an interest. I mean, you, I know you love um, trains. I didn't know that you also were you know really informed about the Titanic. So big, that's super
2: interesting. Big technical things, uh, always a draw. But you know who did have a ticket on the Titanic?
1: Karen Levine. Ah, oh, good segue. Hey. <laughs> but she wasn't there. Hey, Karen Levine, how are you?
10: Hi. Well, I'm well, but that was that was quite a slam. I'm sorry. I, I, <laughs> hey, I'll, 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 on a serious note,
2: guess who did have tickets to, on the uh, on the Titanic, but because who? his wife got ill in Egypt, he had to cut the trip short. Milton Hershey. Now, had he of Hershey chocolates exactly had he gone down to the Titanic, oh you might not have Hershey bars today.
1: Well, but now uh, Hershey has also become woke. Did you realize that? Oh, yes and uh, so <laughs> uh, so you should be actually probably looking at their stock price as well, but that's super interesting, and Karen, I can't believe that he makes fun of our age the way he does i, I just I just can't it's, believe it
10: it's It's because he knows we're very secure in who we are, and maybe <laughs> he's yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is funny. So, hey, uh last night, um uh, girls were over, you were um at my house last night, and we we had this important discussion, we're going to have Natalie Minton on here in just a little bit, regarding all of this legislation, affordable and I have that in air quotes uh, subsidized housing coming into neighborhoods as property rights people, I'm like okay, if an apartment building coming into a neighborhood, people using their land for what they want I, I mean, I property rights are important, although single family zoning has kind of protected that particular property right of single-family zoning. But but you get down to this, all this stuff is subsidized, and they it can't stand on its own from an economic standpoint, and that is just wrong in my book. Uh, Karen Levine, what's your thoughts about the discussion we had last night?
10: I think it's a very complicated discussion, and I think it is um, an important discussion. I think. I pondered it the whole way home and thought about um, many of the points that Natalie made and will probably share this morning, which are all very important. And when you're tackling a challenge um, of housing, and we know we've had the discussion that um, public policy, regulation, um, the layering of those things has created... Um, many of the problems, if not all of the problems, um, in housing nationwide. And then we drilled down locally. Um, We've talked about the construction defect legislation, which kept condominium units, that would be ownership units, from being built. Not a problem of building apartments because um, there wasn't that extended liability to the homeowner if the builder had constructed something with a defect. Um, things do happen in construction. It's not a perfect science. So letting a builder and a developer to make things right probably is the right thing to do. Um, But the restrictions and and the play of that particular legislation created financial burdens that were difficult um, to beat. So then they just didn't build. So then we look at if people want to be closer to work and people we need people to work in our in our cities, in our communities. We want them to live and work in the same place. And you only have limited land. How do you make more housing? And to make more housing, you have to go more dense. That's I mean, I think that would be the law of the land. Um, and so you have to look at that and how does that infe- uh, affect the rights of others when you go and do that. And I think when we have these discussions, I'm like, well, but I have this right in my property and you just told me I can't short-term rental it. Was that your right to do that? Well, maybe it was if it affected the right of my neighbor. So it's complicated
1: it is complicated and one of the things that you've said and i've heard this from pbi's politicians and bureaucrats and interested parties is that uh, to have that you have to have denser housing so that people can live closer to where they want to work and of course one um one of the girls said last night well everybody's working from home they're not going to work anymore um but that has been one of the comments out there and going back to, first of all, public policy created this problem, and then now they want to use public policy and this whole land use thing, the Senate Bill 213, which is supposedly Polis's, you know, very important to him to get this passed. It's just a direct assault upon private property rights. But the other thing, Karen, as we're looking at this, is they they've got this over here saying that people need to be able to Live close to where they work, but a lot of people aren't working now, and on the low income side. Um, well, we
10: right because we we have created an environment that it's actually more favorable to not work. It's more favorable to not have a home, as much as homelessness is is not anything we would wish upon people. It's become, for some reason, attractive. And I think that's very sad societally to be in that position. Um, But the people who are going to work, which in many cases are our service people, our police, our teachers, you know, those people, um, those are the ones that um, you want, they want to live in their communities and you want them in your communities. That's what created... Um neighborhoods and communities across America over these years, you know was that dynamic and as we've talked about, that has been eroding away because of public policy
1: and, right. and interested,
10: I interested parties
1: right and I just i I just don't think that this is the answer to what they're purporting is that question, but quickly uh, we're getting into the spring selling se- season. I do see houses up for sale, and so where are we at regarding um, buying, selling a home?
10: Well, um, we're not going into the spring (laughs) selling season. We're in the spring selling season, which is great. Uh Um, April um, is always very active. Um, As we continue to discuss, as new listings come on the market, we actually have more houses going under contract than coming on the market which means we will continue to have an inventory problem, which means we'll continue to see increase in property values in the cost of housing. And um, But there is some great opportunities out there, and one of those is in the new home environment, and we're seeing builders offering incentives that they haven't offered probably in maybe a decade, maybe not that long, but they're buying down the interest rate to create better affordability so people can get into their, um, homes. Um, they are encouraging, uh, buyers to come out with representation. They, um, want a buyer to have someone like me on their side of the table. And, um, they did a good job encouraging buyers to come out on their own and didn't tell them they weren't being represented, um, for many, many years, which was very sad. And, and as, um, they see challenges. They would like our help. And um, I've always been active in the new home community, um, helping buyers buy, and um, would love that opportunity for any listeners who are considering new construction, but also um, homes that are on the resale market. We can help with that as well.
1: And it is important just have Karen a, a t- yeah, go to the, the meeting with the, the new build mm-hmm. at the beginning. That's a really good idea. How can people reach you, Karen Levine?
10: They can reach me at 303-877-7516.
1: Again, that's Karen Levine, 303-877-7516. She's a great partner of both the Kim Munson Show and America's Veterans Stories. And my friends, when you are looking at doing anything uh, regarding the different sponsors that I have, I would greatly appreciate it if you would reach out to them because they are such great sponsors of the show. A great, another great sponsor of the show is the Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance Team. And Roger knows that life can be challenging. And it's the Mangan's team's mission to maximize your financial security as you manage the risks of of everyday life. So call Roger Mangan at 303-795-8855. That's 303-795-8855 for more information. Like a good neighbor, Roger Mangan's team is there.
5: This is called service. You hooked me up with auto and renters. Props to my insurance mentor. You made it easy to cover my bed in a box and my extensive collection of cuckoo k- k- clocks. You know, I find it kind of funny that you also saved me money. You've got that good neighbor charm. Give it up for State Farm.
0: There are always opportunities in changing markets, and the metro real estate market is no exception. That's why you need to work with seasoned REMAX Alliance realtor Karen Levine when you buy your home, sell your home, consider opportunities of a new build, or explore investment properties. Rising interest rates are spurring creativity, innovation, and opportunity in the real estate and mortgage markets. Kim Monson highly recommends award-winning REMAX realtor Karen Levine. Call Karen Levine today at 303-877-7516 for answers to all your real estate questions. That's 303-877-7516.
2: You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of The Kim Munson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmunson.com That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com.
1: And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. Text line is 720-605-0647. Uh, call in line for the last uh, segment of the show. It's 303-477-5600. And tomorrow, I want to hear from you. Second hour is Open Line Friday. So I want to hear from you um, for Open Line Friday. On the Line with me is Natalie Minton, and she is a former director on the RTD board, as well as she is a um, really I would say a watchdog of what is happening down at the state legislature, government, and she's been watching these land use, affordable housing. Again, we use the word once affordable; it's subsidized housing, which means that these things can these projects cannot stand on their own uh, without taking money from one person to give to another, and that's not okay. But she's connecting the dots on how all of this is connected, and uh, so we're going to run through it very quickly here because it's complicated. Natalie Menton, welcome.
11: Thank you. Good morning to you,
8: Kim.
1: Well, uh, you um, good morning to you as well. And Natalie, you presented this at, at an event that Remy Johnson put together on Tuesday night, and you presented last night to the girls at my house. Uh, So where do you want to start with um, this would be Senate bill uh, 213 prop one, two, three, where do you want to start?
11: I think big picture, just so people kind of know where it goes. I'm going to just briefly cover four legislative actions. Two of them, all of them have to do with land use, density in neighborhoods and subsidized housing. And two of the measures deal with the funding aspects how are we going to take money from some to give to others the other two bills how are we how is the government intend to force density into colorado and allow government to have the tools or the power to buy properties to force that density in and to um supply the the subsidized housing so that's the big picture I want to start with. Okay. First, we'll go to the bill that, that a measure that already passed. as Prop 123. That was passed by the voters last year. What it does is takes part of our state general revenue fund and diverts that money to a new state affordable housing fund. Now, it should be noted some of that money would actually have been coming back to us as TABOR refunds, but it no longer will be. It'll be either reduced, the uh, TABOR rebates will be reduced in some years. In some years, they may be completely eliminated because of Prop 123. But the big picture was Prop 123 said, we're going to take the money from the taxpayers, put it into this fund. Two government agencies are going to dispense the money out. One of the requirements for the local government to get that money was they had to increase subsidized housing, and that would be dense, high-density subsidized housing, by 3% per year each year. And so that bill was passed by the voters by 52.6% of them. Um, there was a huge money campaign uh, to uh, push that measure through. We did not have the financial means, frankly, or the organization, because we were a little bit distracted with some other measures. There were a lot of bad ones on the ballot. So the measure passed. Now local governments are figuring out how to implement it. And what this means is in cities or towns, they'll be looking at creating a baseline for the housing that's existing and considered affordable or subsidized. And then how many houses or units, I should say more dense units, have to be created to be able to fulfill that commitment the government makes to get the money. So so that's one of the funding mechanisms. Um, along okay. with all Natalie, the Go. And, yeah.
1: and you and I had talked about this. And you were uh, had taken a no position on it. I also had recommended a no vote on it. And afterwards, you and I talked, to it's like, if we would have really focused on this, we possibly could have defeated it. But as you mentioned, there were no financial resources. But I think it's important to note that uh, a, a, um, a firm, a Republican a firm that runs a lot of campaigns, made almost $4 million uh, trying to get this thing passed. And then uh, also, and I, I had mentioned this, uh, Dick Wadhams, who is a... Um, Republican strategist, former Republican um, state GOP chair, he actually received $27,500 to push for uh, Prop 123, which is, I, I really think it's a direct assault upon private property rights uh, because of the subsidized housing and also trying to change the fabric of our single-family um, neighborhoods. Uh, so I just wanted to make that point, Natalie.
11: Thank you. Yeah, and I'll go back, I agree 100%. I think we could have beat that measure. And, and live and learn, um, here we are now with the effects of it. Um, there's also the, always a possibility because it was statutory that we can amend that in the future. So it's not a foregone thing, it's done deal. Uh, so I, I hope to come away with after this radio segment that there's hope for all of these things we're dealing with that we're gonna going to cover there. There's ways we can change a course of action. So um, with Prop 123, we're seeing the effects now, and many people have kind of really, even activists, some of them kind of forgotten it, the bill passed, but now is the time where the governments are choosing whether they want to opt in with Prop 123. So they don't have to make that commitment, the the city, to do that 3% growth um, each year, every year, they can opt out of that. So putting pressure on your city council is one way a person could make a change. Now, sadly, the way it's written, you—we first we first we didn't get our TABOR, we're not gonna get our TABOR refunds. And the sad part is if you don't take the density, you won't get the money going into the city, but it's not coming into your pocket necessarily directly anyway. So it's, a, it's an option to, to pressure the, the elected officials to opt out of it because once it's approved, it goes into unelected people's hands. They determine where that funding is going. It has potential ripe for abuse, just ripe for abuse. The money when it's handed out um, to a city or municipality doesn't have to guarantee that they'll increase by the dense uh, subsidized housing by 3% per year. And the bill was written, the developer or the city doesn't even have to give the money back if they don't fulfill these things. It it was just really bad legislation. But that's... Well, and actually, it's not legislation. it, It was
1: an initiative by the people. Uh, and yeah, and yeah, yeah. so Hey, Natalie, let, let's continue on. I'm talking with Natalie Minton. She is uh, really a watchdog on government issues. She's a former director um, for RTD, and we get to have these important discussions. And I'm so pleased to welcome a new sponsor to the show, and that's Johnny Stubbs Heating and Air Conditioning Services. And uh, if you reach out to them, let them know that uh, you've heard about them on the Kim Munson Show, and the first 50 people that reach out to them for their air conditioning check, or if they need something done with their HVAC um, uh, units in their homes, they will receive this really cool uh, gift pack. So be sure and check that out. But again, that's Johnny Stubbs Services uh, Heating and Air Conditioning.
3: It's Colorado. We want warm homes in the winter and cool, comfortable homes in the summer. Johnny Stubb Services is the heating and air conditioning company to call to ensure that your heating and cooling systems run efficiently and last for years. Johnny Stubb Services' team of experts provide proper guidance to help you make informed decisions about your heating and cooling needs. Johnny Stubb Services is prompt, reliable, and stands behind their work with a satisfaction guarantee. Kim Munson highly recommends Johnny Stubb Services for all your heating and cooling needs.
7: Pain can be exhausting and frustrating, and Kim was recently experiencing hip pain from life's wear and tear. Dr. Craig Stimson with Advantage Wellness Center was able to help. For over 35 years, Dr. Craig Stimson has been helping individuals and their entire families with non-surgical and drugless treatments to address sports injuries, back and neck pain, headaches joint pain, and auto accident injuries. Call Dr. Craig at 303-691-1771 today for your appointment. Dr. Craig Stimson, he can help you too. That number is 303-691-1771.
5: Stay up to date on issues in public health and science by signing up and reading Dr. James Lyons-Weiler's latest articles at Popular Rationalism on Substack. Find more information about popular rationalism at KimMunson.com.
9: All of Kim's sponsors are an in inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of The Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's KimMunson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com.
1: Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. You can email me at kim at kimmunson dot com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. On the line with me is Natalie Minton. She is a watchdog of government and government overreach. She is on the um, Tabor Foundation Board. She, she has a long list of things that she does because she cares about each and every one of her fellow Coloradans, and I greatly appreciate that. We're talking about, air quotes, affordable. It's actually subsidized housing, and subsidized means that these, these projects cannot stand on their own without taking money from one person to give to another. And that's antithetical to the American idea. It's picking winners and losers. We talked about Proposition 123, which it was an initiative put on the ballot by big money and special interests. And then they ran a big campaign. And it passed, I would say, narrowly. And and Natalie, you and I afterwards were like, gosh, we should have really gone after it. because," And I had a no vote in my um, election guide, but we could have done more. And I wish we would have. But you can't um I guess you can't look back we're looking forward so prop one two three you've explained it but then then these things are all connected and layered together so what's the next thing our listeners need to understand Natalie
11: okay so we had the funding mechanism from last year prop one two three now the question is how does the government uh, acquire these properties because if you've got uh, a re- a requirement of increasing subsidized high density housing by three percent per year with a city that really doesn't have a lot of extra vacant area to grow there's only a few options replacing non-subsidized housing with subsidized housing that's an option you can build higher you can build more dense or allow more density or you could do all, a combination of all the above so then there's a, a way that government is uh, has a tool now they're, they're working on creating. It's a bill working through the legislature. It's House Bill 23-1190 called Affordable Housing Right of First Refusal. In short, what this does is it affects, the, it determines qualifying properties. Qualifying properties are multi-unit. They are either five or more units, that would be in the rural areas, or 15 or more units in the urban areas. That's as it's written right now, and it hasn't completely passed the legislature. So we can stop this bill. And it's already being delayed because of the pressure. But what it's saying, in essence, with those qualifying properties, that's a multi-unit, dense, type of housing the government would get the first right to buy those properties when a property seller would go to sell they would have to give notice to the government the government has seven days to state to the owner we're interested in your property and we are going to secure our right of first refusal that means you're kind of bound right then you're under the control of the government And you could be held in limbo for months while they determine if they can, if they're truly going to acquire the property and close on the deal. This has so many negative effects, and it is a property taking. During those months, while you're in limbo, you're prohibited from negotiating a sale with a third party outside of the government. If that sale price would make it cost prohibitive or unreasonable for the government.
1: So meaning if you got a yeah. better offer.
11: Right. Essentially, yes, that's exactly it. So what it's doing is putting a price cap on property sales now. That is absolutely a taking and it's there's there's just no argument with it. So it's it's doing those two things and then after all those months of being in limbo, there's nothing that guarantees uh, the property will take be bought by the government or they'll oh do gosh. the closing. So you're in, on hold. Your financial future is in the hands of the government. In a lot of cases, when people are selling a property, they may be looking at another one. You're also going to be harmed if, in that process because you don't have the flexibility because you're tied under a government bureaucracy. The goal is government would be acquiring these properties um, to be used. They must be used for subsidized housing. What it does state within the bill, although the government has written it, so it says really supposed to be a max of 90 days during that negotiation. They have a clause in there called a tolling of periods. Again, that's tolling of periods. It says if there's any un- a delay that's outside of the government's control, This can go on indefinitely. So you could be held up um, several months ultimately while you're waiting for the government to figure out if it can finance it or get the proper inspection. um, This is one of the tools on how the government will get get houses multi-unit. This bill right now has passed through the House. It was even worse before. Um, And one thing I should note is when I talk about qualifying properties, this is important. Um, At at the beginning, it included all multi-unit, regardless of age of the unit. They have now narrowed this down to where it would be older multi-unit properties. As they put it, a certificate of occupancy issued more than 30 years ago. I don't know if that amendment is going to stick with this. Uh, That's possibly a reason it's also being held up right now. We don't know if it's a good reason it's held up or they're going to bring some of the even worse stuff back. But at the end, people can reach out to their state senator. So even though it's a House bill, it went through the House. It's done deal there for the most part. It's now in the Senate. It went through committee. Um, It is on the Senate floor and they've continued to postpone it through this week. So people can reach out um, and urge your, your if a, even if it's a, somebody you believe will definitely vote no, still reach out to them. They do like to hear that supportive message. Um, and sometimes they don't think about a talking point or a way it'll negatively affect somebody. And for them to hear that, they, they've expressed that they appreciate that. So we still have hope with this government taking and to stop it. And if so, and by the way, if a seller does not comply with this bureaucracy in 1190, there's a big penalty. If you don't comply, the fine is $50,000 or 30% of the property value or sale, whichever one is higher
1: unbelievable
11: that is that is a huge penalty for somebody and quite intimidating so that's one of the other four pieces um now we'll move to land use and density
1: now one other thing natalie and and what would you say so somebody says well i don't have any i don't own any multifamily units so it doesn't really matter to me so what would you say to that
11: Sure. Thank you for bringing that up. Here would be an example where I would say, um, this will affect a lot of people. When the government acquires these multi-unit properties, it affects tenants that are renting in those properties because it'll now become a government owned building. If you're a tenant and make more than is allowed under the uh, permissible under the bill, you will not get a non, you will not get a renewal of your lease, you will be making too much money. It harms, for those who, say, own their home, how many friends or family might they know that are a renter and could be in a building that could be affected like this? There's another piece I'll address in just a couple minute or so that will also talk about how it's bringing, one of these bills, the one we're describing next, is going to bring a lot more high density into neighborhoods. You might think you're living in a single-family-only residential neighborhood at the moment, but one of these bills is going to change that. Multi-unit will become much more prevalent within the metro area. So between the tenant situation, the renters, and House Bill or Senate Bill 213, which we're going to get ready to discuss, this really ends up affecting everyone. Here's another point. The more government buildings that are old, government owned buildings there are, and we say government owned, it's really government controlled, government managed, but it's taxpayer owned. The more of those government managed buildings there are, they don't pay property taxes. So that means if you've got two of those on a block, the people who are paying the other eight of ten on the block that are paying property taxes are going to be contributing more. Because they have to still, we have to still cover the cost, and we have more properties now that won't be contributing to the property tax base. Those are the reasons everybody should be concerned.
1: Wow, those are really big reasons. And, um, and we're going to be continuing the conversation. Of course, you can call in. And I've got some questions coming in on the text line for you as well. Natalie mentioned that uh, line is 720-605-0647. But I did want to mention uh, the USMC Memorial Foundation is having a really special event April 29th at the Brown Palace Hotel. I will be emceeing it, so I'm very excited about that. But it's an evening with the ambassador. It's the keynote speaker is Ambassador Harry B. Harris, Admiral of the United States Navy. And would love to have you join us. They do two big events each year and this is one of them and it will be just a beautiful event and you can get more information at at usmcmemorialfoundation.org that's usmcmemorialfoundation.org and uh, we have these discussions because of great sponsors like lauren levy
9: Hey folks, Matthew Dark here with exciting news about COVID justice and how you can be involved in this critical moment in history. Colorado Healthcare Providers for Freedom in conjunction with COVIDPenalty.com is leading the way in protecting everyone's legal right to refuse an investigational new drug. There is no law that can force you to participate in medical research and we need your help in bringing these lawsuits to fruition. To donate and view impending lawsuits, visit ColoradoMedicalFreedom.com. That's ColoradoMedicalFreedom.com.
5: It's more critical than ever to get the firearms training you must have to be confident in protecting yourself and your family. Learning from the expertly trained instructors at Franktown Firearms and Shooting Range, you will learn the skills necessary to be ready for anything you have to deal with. If you learned how to shoot by way of Granddad Taught Dad Taught Me... You may be missing critical elements of safety and proficiency training that can only be learned in the right environment with a knowledgeable and industry-leading instructor who can analyze and diagnose shooting mistakes, helping you prepare properly. At Franktown Firearms, they believe understanding how guns work, learning the fundamentals the right way, and being confident in using a gun can mean the difference between life and death. When people leave Franktown classes, they feel empowered. They look forward to practicing and getting more training. Go to franktownfirearms.com and sign up for one of our training classes today. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made.
1: And welcome back to the Kim Munson show. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M O N S O N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter and you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do it. And uh call in line is 303-477-5600. I would like to get through these other things with Natalie. Tomorrow, we'll, we're going to have open line Friday in the second hour, so you might hold those calls until tomorrow. Uh, but text messages, uh, you can text me at 720-605-0647. We're talking about these land use, affordable housing bills. And uh, one of the questions coming in on the text line, Natalie, is who are these special interests that are pushing this stuff? Great question.
11: Well, there's a, a pretty lengthy list. First of all, make no doubt, Polis is definitely, uh, Governor Polis, a, a big factor. He has called some of, one of the bills, his marquee bill, uh, to public, to push the density in. So it's uh, we were posed with a pretty broad question. Here's the two resources people can use to dig into who is behind things, who is supporting things. The Secretary of State's website, people think would probably be pretty dry except for election results, but it also has information about lobbyists and it also has the campaign finance reports. So if somebody wanted to see, well, who donated to prop one, two, three, you would use the secretary of state's website. Um, there were some large organizations that dumped, especially a lot of, let's say money that was shifted from one organization, maybe to another that the money ended up going into 123 and it was millions of dollars. Um, with the lobbyists who are supporting bills, you can look that up at Secretary of State's website simply by going there, going under, um, there's a, button, a link for lobbyists, and you can just simply type in a bill number, uh, in the case of 1190, see who's supporting it, or see who's opposing it. Unfortunately, Some of the people supporting the bills are organizations that are funded by taxpayer dollars. In the case of 1190, which is the right of first refusal, Colorado Municipal League is in a support position. This Colorado Municipal League is funded by our taxpayer dollars through dues. As an example, uh, the county of um, Arapahoe County, I believe is one, as an example, supporting 1190. That means the elected body made a choice or the representative from the elected body made a choice to support this bill. I means your tax money is going to. So I, I would suggest people go use the Secretary of State's resources and learn a little bit about how to dig into this, because it's a really useful tool, not only with these measures, but others.
1: Boy, I didn't realize about the lobbyists of I've done a whole bunch of work over there regarding campaigns and uh, connecting the dots on the dollars. Hey, we have Mark in Black Forest on the line. Mark, what uh, what's your on your radar?
6: Oh, I just wanted to quickly point out something that uh Karen Levine commented on. She talked about that that law um that basically drove out um builders from building um condos. Yes. And
0: um something to do with defects building defects and right construction point
6: out, yeah how how um it's the role of the of the building department right the government's got the role of of inspecting construction um so basically their quality control so isn't it ironic that they are not responsible for the defects it's it's up to them to find the defects
1: in very, in, very interesting point, Mark and Black Forest, interesting point regarding, yeah, here in Colorado, the construction defense legislation has, has um, basically made it so expensive to build condos, which are ownership units, but no problem, all these ab- apartments on, and people cannot build any equity when they're doing that, and then certainly we have these uh, this affordable housing. So, Natalie, let's continue on regarding, I think you're, you we're going to talk about Senate Bill 213, right?
11: Yeah, we're going to jump to this real quick. I know we're limited on time. Senate Bill 213 right now is in an early stage, so there's a lot of potential to fight this. It is titled Land Use. Again, it's Senate Bill 23-213. This is Governor Polis's marquee bill. He is determined to get this through. But that doesn't mean we can't stop it. So, what this is doing is imposing top-down zoning in the state of Colorado. Land use decisions no longer would really be under municipalities' control. It would instead be determined by the state, and it would be in the hands of unelected officials determining this housing development. What it is doing, in short, is it's banning single-family-only developments, the bill will grant right of use, and what this right of use that's granted is, in, in these what is existing single-family residential only uh, neighborhoods, they would instead be allowed to add four accessory dwelling units onto any single-family residential lot. It will create use for rights of apartments, multiplexes, townhomes within single family neighborhoods. You won't have a choice once once it's passed and done as a done deal. Um, what this is doing is driving the density. Polis feels that communities have not done their part. And that is why they are taking the choice away from the municipalities and putting it in the state's hands because we don't know what's good for our future apparently and Polis wants to take control of that. So much so that this bill has a safety clause on it. Safety clause, which you've probably talked about, Kim, but um, in short, citizens would not have the legal right to go out, get petition signatures, and put the matter on the ballot. They are actually preventing us from doing that with a safety clause right now. Besides adding the the right-by-use of ADUs, accessory dwelling units, adding in the multi-unit into neighborhoods that – and and this overrules HOAs. Um, there, you, you just don't get a say in this one with the way it's written. So it's, it's shoving all this density down our throats. It also establishes minimum density standards. This is where it gets to be even more worrisome. If you're in a transit mixed use area or TMO area, they've got different acronyms, or even close with like a quarter mile distance from a key transit corridor, that might mean a highly uh, a high frequency bus route as an example. The bill creates minimum density standards. So when I said four ADUs, maybe some people thought, oh, you know, that's not that bad. You know, I live in larger lot neighborhood. It wouldn't be that bad to have four units. But the minimum density standards for transit areas, 40 to 60 units per acre is what's required. That's, That's minimum. So that changes the fabric of neighborhoods. And some people say, well, you know, it's it's by transit. That's where it should be. Well, it's transit has been built in in Denver after the developments are in, in, in a lot of cases. So we're shoving this this density into existing neighborhoods. And they didn't really ask for necessarily a high-frequency bus route to be in the area or transit rail. They just wanted their backyard and their... Um, they're open space, they fresh air, sunshine, no high-rise buildings, and now it's going to be packed in. There's more. This uh, right now is, as it's written at this moment, because it hasn't really been amended uh, yet. It will be um, amended next Tuesday. At this very moment, this bill, even with all the density they're shoving down our throat, doesn't have any off-street parking requirement in it.
2: Unbelievable. They will probably
11: amend that in. They have established a minimum 5,000 square foot lot size. That could be amended. That's pretty small lot size. Um, It also adds millions of additional dollars into subsidized housing behind the land use uh, development issue. It's again putting more money into a system we don't even know what our returns are on right now. That's a summary of 213. Again, the optimistic picture is This is a Senate bill. It's in the originating House right now. Hasn't made it through. It's in the first committee. They've heard over several hours of testimony, about 11 hours of testimony, mostly against this, viciously, vigorously against this bill. Local governments are outraged. Citizens are outraged. They're going to hear this in committee and vote next Tuesday, April 18th in the Senate Local Government Committee. There won't be any more testimony that day, but you could certainly email or call your state senator and say, 213 is outrageous. I won't have this shoved down my throat. So that's that's the picture of 213
1: right now. And, and I, Natalie, we have speed, speedy on this last one. We've got about a minute.
11: Last one is something that may hit the streets this summer. It goes back to funding. It'll be called initiative number three. It's a citizen initiative. Although I have a hard time (laughs) saying that because it's two lawyers running this measure, it would charge a fee. They call that, they'll call that air quotes. It's a tax on any property transfer um, minus a few exclusions. It's paid by the buyer. It'll amount to a few to several hundred dollars more when you go to buy property It's to go to attainable housing. So the irony is not lost here. A buyer is paying more taxes to provide attainable housing for others. Makes no sense. But they will have to go out on the street to get signatures for this, and their intent is to put it on the 2023 ballot. It will create another bracket of subsidized housing, and I would strongly oppose anybody to not sign any petition related to housing without fully reading it and understanding the implications to Colorado, our water, our density, our neighborhoods, and our future.
1: Boy, Natalie Minton, you are doing such great work. Thank you. And you were able to talk about all these things in such a short period of time. Excellent. And that's Natalie Minton. Our quote for the end of the show is from Zig Ziglar. He said, F-E-A-R has two meanings – Forget everything and run, or face everything and rise. The choice is yours. So today, my friends, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate, and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America.